and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Friends for Friday, October 21st in the year. 2022. Jesse Rubinoff still on the mend. I am told he just might be turning the corner. So we wish our guy the absolute best and welcome Kevin Mickey back in his stead. What's going on, buddy? You good? Happy to be here again, man. Uh, it has been a tough week all around. We've had more than a few pieces out in front and behind the scenes. So I want to thank everyone on the staff for coming together and making this ish work because as fun as it is, and it is fun for Kevin and I and Sebastian every once in a while to come out here and do the show. It also ain't that easy. So a Friday tip of the cap to our entire crew gets to start off the day on the right foot. Best girl in the biz. Awesome. Uh, Mickey, you're a part of that crew, so thank you, homeboy. Did you have a happy uh, sports equinox with you and yours? Oh, I had a lovely sports equinox. Thank you so much for asking. How was your sports equinox? <laughs> Did you, I, I didn't know what to watch. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I was flicking, and I had the computer up and my yeah. phone on, yeah. and that I was, is, I was there was a time way. where I was just confused, and then I ended up in the fetal position, and then I looked up, and there was Andy Dalton throwing a pick six, <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Just sitting there rolling like this? <laughs> yeah, just, it had, was a lot. I had the football game on the big screen. Yeah. I had a hockey game on laptop, and I had the baseball game on my tablet. Yeah, but that's, which that's hockey was... game? There were seven hot, seven bleeping hockey games, and the Montreal yep. Canadiens yep. and the Arizona Coyotes yep. might have been the best game of the night. Like, what I, the I hell was, happened? Everybody thought that was going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was what everybody said. Just yeah. like everybody knew. Exactly. Yeah, Arbor Jack Eyes, yeah. Zach Cass. We knew. <laughs> we knew it was going to be that incredible. Uh, we'll get to it in a flash. Uh, Sports Equinox has come and gone, though. Don't fret too much. Hang on. I know that I said that it was only the 27th of all time and the first ever to include all seven Canadian teams. Except. But it's actually back on Sunday and maybe Monday as well. And then Monday and then the 31st. Yes, there'll be a record four instances of the sports equinox this year. But dear God, do not take it for granted. Yeah. All right. There Enjoy was a, it. There was a 16-year period, Kevin Mickey where there was no single sports equinox. 1985 to 2001. Not a single one. Imagine getting to see Haley's Comet four times in one year. <laughs> in a week, I guess. In a, in a week. week in a bit, yeah. All right, uh, that's way too deep a dive on the equinox. I'm done with it. We'll move on because we got a big show. Uh, Fridays with Nate returns right here on Tim and Friends. Nate Burleson will join us to discuss a blockbuster deal in the National Football League and whether or not Christian McCaffrey shifts the balance of power in the NFC or even just the NFC West. I don't know if you looked. It's kind of sort of crazy. We'll figure it all out. Then fresh off of signing a three-year extension with the Toronto Blue Jays, the skip. John Schneider will join us on the show, and I will tell you why that was the right decision. Then talk to the man himself. Around 6 p.m. Eastern time, three on the west side. Three on the west side. And if that weren't enough, uh, we got some curling folk joining us today. Grand Slam of Curling is on the Network Tour Challenge Grand Prairie. And because of that, my friends, oh. we are giving away okay. a Team Anderson signed jersey. Kevin Mickey, our digital producer for the day. How are we giving that bad boy away? Still
Step one, mm -hmm. well, I guess step one was our account had to tweet something out. Step oh. two, okay. one, two, two, two gotcha. is you go to the Tim and Friends Twitter account and you see curling jersey giveaway. And you want to win a Team Anderson jersey? All you have to do, reply to the tweet using the hashtag TFCurl. That is very key. Hashtag TFCurl, and we will pick a winner at random, and you can win this. We will pick a, a winner later on in the show today. Mom, um, um, a hashtag is just a number sign in front of the letters TFCU. Careful. RL. CU. RL. RL, okay. RL. Yeah. Okay. Just want to make sure we got it. Hashtag TFCurl. That's the way we can just push the button. All the tweets will pop up. Kevin Mickey's going to put them all into a hat. Yep. A giant hat. A big hat. It'll be like Turd Ferguson on Celebrity Jeopardy. Deep cut. It'll be a very big hat. You'll put all the names in there and we'll pull one out. Burt Reynolds. Turd Ferguson. <laughs> yeah, what do you want? So the uh, curling, you got the deep cut, so it wasn't that deep. Uh, curling I, I comes your way at 6 p.m. Eastern. 7 Atlantic on Sportsnet East, and we will continue everywhere else and, of course, on Sportsnet 360. So stick around with us, please. Let's kick off the festivities, though, as we always do with First Things First. So let's square it on the barrel, John Farrell. <laughs> first Things First. Have you used that one before? No. That's, oh, that's the first one because we got the is, we got the skip of the J's on today. Say, that is yeah. real, real tight. Enjoy yeah, that one. And uh, speaking as such, let's start on the diamond. Why not? All right. Blue Jays, as Timmy just mentioned, removing the interim tag from John Schneider. He signed a three-year extension with a team option for 2026. Schneider, you probably remember, replaced Charlie Montoya on July 13th. He led the Jays to the top wildcard spot in the American League. They were then swept at the hands of the Mariners in the first round. An experience that Schneider hopes that he and his squad will learn from. It was really encouraging, I think, the last month or so. You know, I said that as the season went on, um, how close this group got and how, how comfortable they became around one another just in the clubhouse and on the field. So that's something to definitely build on. And in terms of, you know, coming up short, it's extremely difficult to be the last team out of 30 standing. And you're going to be disappointed if you're not every year. Um, certain things and I think certain experiences that both players, staff, everyone went through this season um, with the postseason included will help us get better for next year. And uh, when you're talking about a young core group that is, you know, one together before and that is hungry to do more of it, um, as bad as a ending is when you don't win, I think it's really good going forward for the next year. So, Timmy, you're going to chat with the skip a little, mm -hmm. little later on in the show. You'll mm -hmm. be able to talk through a whole bunch of stuff with him. Yes. Before we chat with him, what do you think? Was this the logical move for the Jays? Yes, and I also believe that it was the right move. Listen, I heard a lot of you. I heard a lot of you after game two against the Mariners, and I thought the hook on Kevin Gossman was premature. And I will ask him specifically about that when we talk. That said, I will take the word of some of the more prominent names in that clubhouse over you and I. I will take the record, 48 and 26, over one decision and one game. I disagree with the notion that one decision, no matter how big, defines a career or whether or not the guy can do the job. Is Kevin Cash a good manager? Yes. He's the dude who took Blake Snell out in the World Series and got absolutely roasted. And yet, if he was a free agent right now, every big league team would be lined up to get him <laughs> to be their manager. The one name I kept hearing was Terry Francona. I like him. He has been there. He has done that. But even he had some tough decisions this postseason. 
in the fourth inning of game five versus the Yankees didn't review a play at first base saying that he ran out of time. His guy would have been safe. Maybe they make a run. Game four, they had two challenges that had no shot of being overturned. And the decision to go with Aaron Saravalli instead of an opener or even Shane Bieber in game five uh, when his starter lasted just a third of an inning, I'm not trying to crush Tito here. He's a great manager. I'm just trying to say some baseball fans who only watch their own team Maybe a little bit off on this one. Decisions like the Gossman one happen all the time in baseball. And just because a guy has a great reputation doesn't mean he makes the best decisions all the time. That's beeping baseball. So I believe he made a bad decision along with his pitching coach, Pete Walker, to take out Kevin Gossman in game two against the Seattle Mariners. And I also believe that he's the right man for this job. I would say that that's part of a learning experience for him. He certainly has been learning be. with this team as he's grown with many of the stars. Yep. And this decision, like you mentioned, is just under the spotlight, like no magnifying glass. It's the giant magnifying glass in The Simpsons that, the, that Springfield has, the giant right. magnifying glass. That's what this was under. And unfortunately for John, that's what everyone's going to be talking about. But like you said... Every manager has to go through this. So I gave my opinion. I know we put something out to the uh, the friends of the show Indeed. to see if they had an opinion or two on this. So uh, did we get much feedback? We got. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. We had just, it. Just, just a little bit. Just, smidge, yeah. So earlier when the news came out, Jays fans, are you good with this? We tweeted out. Now I've gathered a spectrum from extremely ready and happy with the decision to not happy with the decision. We start with the. More so happy, cautiously optimistic. He helped the team, this is from Toronto Card Collector, helped the team turn their season around right after Charlie was fired. He's definitely earned the right to a few full seasons at the helm despite the playoff exit, Mm -hmm. right? Something similar to what you just espoused. How about Marcel? I asked myself this question. Does one game ruin him? My answer is no. doesn't take away from the mistake. So, again, agreeing with you, similar to what you said. Then we have three years is too long. One year, show me the deal for a full season uh, would have been optimal. I'm guessing he would have taken less term for his first gig. So It's a great way to start the relationship is by that, putting a guy on a lame duck deal. So that's it's I, not I, your money. They can fire him after yeah. 50 games if they want to. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think that's what everyone who would have seen that tweet would have responded you with. It's like they're, they're not going to be able to attract the best talent if they're only offering one-year deals here and there. Oh, without a doubt. You know, you know whose money it is. Rogers. Uh, a, a couple other ones, if you want to just get to them quickly sure. here. Uh, El Toro uh, just said, I want an old school manager, management, that lets their pitcher go into the eighth. Dusty Baker, Terry Francona. All right. So there he's hope, this person is hoping that an older school manager is going to allow the team to flourish. How about a new day? Pete Walker, enough said. Terrible decision by the Jays once again. So we started cautiously optimistic and happy and now we're veering off into the wild side. By the way, who was he talking to when they decided to take out Gossman? Pete Walker. Probably Pete Walker. No, not. It was Pete Walker. They were standing beside each other in the dugout. They were going back and forth, and they decided to lift. Now, maybe Pete Walker said, don't do it, Skip. Don't do it. But it seemed like it was a pretty mutual decision between the two. Yeah. And then we get to haven't really, likely haven't really thought this out a whole lot. Blew an 8-1 lead. Not a good manager in my book. 
And then finally. No, there's a lot of people like that. And I, listen, there, there, I, I understand there are it. a lot of people like that. There. Yes, I understand the thinking behind it. How can you let it? How can you blow an eight-one lead in such a marquee event, such as a playoff matchup? Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people who think like that, and that's something that I'm guessing you're going to chat with uh, the skipper about. And then finally, we go to thank you to Spooky Drill for that. And then we go to Sorry Jim, who simply just said, "No." <laughs> I don't buy Jim. No. Jim says. No. Understood. Keep them coming at Tim and friends. Yep. Uh, we'll get to a few of them after we have the conversation with John Schneider, which yep. is coming your way in less than an hour from now. So please stick around. It is our livelihoods. <laughs> please. Thank please. you. Uh, we're going to move on, though. We're going to go to hockey. And last night was Sports Equinox, so it was pretty damn good. All seven Canadian teams in action. Four of them, they won. Habs, Leafs, Sens, Oilers, all pulling out dubs. Lots and lots of storylines coming from games with winners and losers. Tim, what did you enjoy most from last night? Well, there's, a, there's some great night English here. There's some foreshadowing in the opening of this show. The Montreal Canadiens-Arizona Coyotes game was the gift that keeps on giving if you are a Habs fan. I don't know if you're an Arizona fan, whether or not that was all that fun for you, but to see the kids do what the kids did for a now 3-2 and two Montreal Canadiens team, I'm good with, like, the Arbor Jack eye fight with Zach Cassian seemed to start something new for a team. And listen, this is, uh, he's 21, so he's not like a fresh 18-year-old rookie, but the story behind this guy being undrafted to the OHL, being undrafted to the NHL, making his way onto this team, and then going toe-to-toe with one of the heavyweights of the league, I mean, I'm amazed. Like, I... I, here's the one thing that I would just want to say before everyone falls in love with them, and it may be too late because I think everyone already has fallen. Like fans yeah. from all teams last night when they saw that on Arbor Jacki was trending in Canada after ragdolling one of the heavyweights in the league. But <laughs> here's here's what I'm going to say: the star is going to be quick. And I know he's a Hamilton kid, and I know Hamilton prides itself on being tough as nails, but I hope that he doesn't get too caught up in trying to be a heavyweight because so far in the NHL Mm -hmm. and in the OHL last year, he was like the perfect hybrid of old-school tough guy that could still play. And let me tell you something, Arbor, that's a bleeping unicorn in the NHL right now and remarkably valuable so pick and choose your spot I know he's going to be a star he's got the personality he's got (laughs) the hands got the hands let's let's see it let's see in in both ways so there this TikTok this TikTok showed up and this is Arbor Jacki showing off the size of his hands as you just said Uh, maybe you're talking about metaphorical but these are literal giant hands three water bottles that this kid is holding incredible I, the pick it up that looked like it was bigger small. than a pink dumbbell there. He's got big hands. He's got big old hands. Big, he's got farmer hands. Yeah, he's got big, hands. He, but I just, I, I know what's going to happen here. He's a tough kid. There aren't many of those dudes anymore in the no. league. Montreal is flat out in love with him. The Costco part of the story, for those who don't know, uh, when the OHL canceled the year because of COVID, the kid needed something to do, so he decided he'd go work out uh, or just work at Costco and work out on the side. So my guy was working at a Costco a couple of years ago, and here he is playing in the NHL and, and making an impact. 
literally, big, literally, figuratively, figuratively yeah. big time. There's lots for that Montreal Canadiens team to build on, including Yaroslav Kovsky, who scored his first career NHL goal last night. Yeah, without, and that was a couple of different levels. Like, score the goal, check. That's, uh, that's part of the equation there. Uh, chirp the dude that just hit you. Uh, check he does that too as well and then my favorite part of this was and and listen finish is nice this is one of hopefully many for a first overall pick the the chirp at the guy that just hit me (laughs) and the celebration I absolutely love but then have the vet convince you that you should do a curtain call like a baseball player. Did you see this on the bench yeah. where Brendan Gallagher's Gallagher. kind of whispering yeah. at the guy? Wave. Don't forget the wave here. No, he, he said after the game, he was telling him, get up and wave. And Slavkovsky wouldn't fall for it, and he just ended up waving, uh, which is awesome. So there was a bunch of different things. The kids are all right, and the Nick Suzuki penalty shot was just the, the, the chef's kiss. This is the wave. This is Gallagher convincing him. <laughs> he said remember, after, yeah, he remember tried, kid, wave. He tried, he tried to get him to get up. He's like, hey, curtain call. <laughs> Stand up and wave. And what you got was this. Uh, nervously uh, giggling and then just wait. wait. Hello. Right. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, so that's awesome. And then chef's kiss. Uh, Nick Suzuki goes Datsuk on him. Like, how was this the Montreal Canadiens? Uh, this was supposed to be a, like a Connor Bedard sweepstakes, was it not? It was. This was supposed to be a team that was just destined for the basement and just get ready for the next season already. I, I, w- I lifted the Montreal Gazette. I saw Pat Hickey, first line in the preview to the game. Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Yeah, yeah. And the Montreal Canadiens did not play that role. That's so sweet. That is disgusting. <laughs> that is unbelievably sweet. Okay, so... Is it? It's Datsuk, right? It's Datsukian. That is Datsukian in nature, and we have the proof. I mean, looks the exact same. Is it? Almost to it. Okay, so Datsuk came up with it, so you get the creativity. Yeah. But did did Suzuki perform it better? Like, did he execute it better? Like, there was a little bit of a stick there. Suzuki, like, no chance. Uh, Datsuk walked so that Suzuki could fly. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, that is that is that guy's on a yeah. a jet in this scenario because that's an incredible goal. I can't believe. I honestly can't believe that there were seven Canadian teams on the ice last night, and we just spent five minutes talking about the Montreal Canadiens and the Arizona Coyotes, and, and it fit. Yeah. It all fit. And let me, I, I'll shout out Nick Robertson. I thought that was a great yeah. story I, I in Toronto. Say, yeah, the two say. goals that he scored, including yep. the game winner as the Leafs scrape one out. I mean, the juxtaposition of what the Montreal Canadiens did to the Arizona Coyotes and what the Toronto Maple Leafs did to the Arizona Coyotes. Like, yeah. the, the Habs absolutely whooped them. And the Leafs lost to them. They were kind of sort of scratching and clawing this whole game against what was, and this is so classic Leafs, like lose to Arizona and then beat the previously unbeaten Dallas Stars. Mm-hmm. But to have the parents on hand and to have Nick Robertson with his brother playing the on the other side, score the two goals when he should have made the team out of camp. But this stupid cap and what it does ends up 
putting the Leafs in a spot where they send yep. a guy down who can't be claimed to save Dennis Mulgan. Yeah, so it was Mulgan required waivers. Robertson didn't. Mulgan cost 750. Robertson cost 796. So Leafs chose Mulgan. So that, that was that was a decision. Like you just, just not, not that Mulgan didn't have a good preseason. He also had a he good did. preseason. But Nick Robertson earned his way onto this team, and he showed it when he got his first opportunity. But the the Leafs kind of sort of worry me. And, and tell me if I'm not listen. I'm not trying to be the negative Nelly, but the stars the entire night were running the Leafs' best players. Indeed. Running the Leafs' best player. Leafs Twitter noticed. Big time. They had absolutely no response other than to go to their eight power plays, and they only scored one goal on those eight power How is that sustainable? Like, how do you play 82 games with your stars getting the snot beat out of them for 60 minutes and more? So... On the same night that this is happening to the Toronto Maple Leafs, we saw it. Arbor Jacki, dummy Zach Cassian, or as a tweet I saw said, sent him to the shadow realm. Mm-hmm. And many Leaf fans immediately calling for something in that vein on their roster. Do they have it right now? No. Maybe a response Saturday because now there's reports that Wayne Simmons is going to get in the yeah, lineup. Yeah, but Wayne Simmons, I love Wayne Simmons. Is he that guy? He plays in the fourth line and he doesn't play very much. So how do you, and I've said this all along, here's where the Leafs are. They're back to being the team that has absolutely no response on the ice, and they're less talented than they were when they first were the team that had very little response on the ice. I I don't know how you play 82 games where the rest of the league is obviously going to try and beat up on your best players. Like, eventually, yeah. I don't know if you turn into Sidney Crosby, who had a little bit of piss and vinegar in his own game yep. so that he fought back for himself. Like, I don't know what the Leafs do, but I don't know that it's also sustainable over 82 to have their best players get beat up like that because they'll miss games. That's what will happen. So there's a lot of consternation in Leaf Nation. There's a lot worse on the west coast of Canada surrounding no, the No, it, it wasn't a multi-goal lead. Vancouver <laughs> they, Canucks, yeah, it was only a one-goal one goal lead. lead. What are you talking uh, about here? Yeah, yeah the team's They fine. got them points. Yeah. Two points. Listen, uh, I, I would stress to Vancouver to have a little patience with this team. Vancouver will not listen. I know that home opener against the Buffalo Sabres, who, by the way, are playing good hockey, yeah, as we good. saw last yeah. night, yeah. as we saw in Edmonton and Calgary, The Vancouver Canucks should be okay. Thatcher Demko isn't going to play like this. They will get a little healthier. I'm asking for Vancouver to have a little bit of patience, but I know that is asking for a lot given what they've been through over the last little while. I'll tell you one thing. If it goes ugly in the home opener on Saturday, it will be ugly in that building. You know who I'm guessing isn't going to have a lot of patience either, the fan base of the Brooklyn Nets, who had an ugly loss in Game 1. Game 2, they will be playing the Toronto Raptors. Speaking of the Raptors, back in action tonight. Oh, and it's in Brooklyn. Catch that game, 7 Eastern on Sportsnet 1. It was an awful, awful game for the Nets, featuring Kevin Durant. Speaking of Kevin Durant, remember he asked for that trade? Rumors swirling that Brooklyn wanted Scotty Barnes in any deal that was going to be with the Raptors. Tim is the Durant for Barnes storyline still a storyline? I think the Kevin Durant storyline is still a storyline. There's no way that this team lasts the entire year. 
whether it be Steve Nash, whether it be Kyrie Irving, whether it be Ben Simmons, or whether it be Kevin Durant. What I think happened here in the summer was that Kevin Durant talked to the Nets, realized they can't make a deal for its full value or his full value, and they're going to play nice until they get to the spot where they can trade him. And halfway through the season, some things open up contractually where you can add a piece like Kevin Durant. But listen, uh, I don't think that this team, as currently constituted, makes it through the whole year. So, Raptor fans, if you think you wanted Kevin Durant, you can keep your eyes open because he might still be available. It should be an interesting game tonight. I mean, nightly battles in the East. It should be a tightly contested Eastern Conference, so the Raptors got to make hay while well, the making's good here. And pull out a big dub tonight over the Nets could help. It would help, and you can see it On Sportsnet 1. All right, still to come. Toronto Blue Jays manager John Schneider will join us fresh off of signing that three-year extension. We'll check in with Matt Devlin and Alvin Williams ahead of the Raptors and Nets in Brooklyn. But up next, Nate Burleson joins us to break down the Christian McCaffrey trade, a pretty good Thursday nighter, and the rest of the weekend in the National Football League. This is Tim and Friends. And guess what, kids? It's Friday. Good steal. Slavkovsky. Bregman sends one deep to left. It is back and it is gone. A three-run poke. Alex Bregman. There he goes. The pitch. Did he go? He did. It's a swing and a miss and a strikeout. And the ball game is over. The Astros take a 2-0 advantage in this best of seven ALCS. Week 7, underway in the National Football League, not only with a pretty interesting Thursday nighter that saw uh, the Cards beat the Saints, we also had a blockbuster deal that sees Christian McCaffrey go to the Niners for a cavalcade of picks. Now, we trade a cavalcade of picks to CBS and the NFL Network every damn week for our next guest, one of the busiest men in show business. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Fridays with Nate, our good friend. Nate Burleson. What's going on, Nate? Wait a, wait a minute. You guys sprung for some money and got a little <laughs> Fridays with Nate. I see what you did there. Making me feel special. All right. So so let's do this as an either or. And I'll say I won't do the either or with Fridays with Nate. But okay. either okay. or, tell me what was more interesting to you last night, the Thursday nighter or the McCaffrey deal? Thursday nighter was interesting. I mean, the fact that the Saints uh, pretty much threw that game away with those back-to-back pick sixes, um, and then Kyler Murray barking at Cliff Kingsbury, which yeah. I'm fine with. Everybody was dramatic, but um, you know, I love it when a quarterback shows some grit. The funniest part was DeAndre Hopkins in between, like, "Hey, bro, just chill, man. Let's go win the rest of the game. We good. We, I just got back." Um, so that was that was entertaining. But CMC going to the Niners, like that, that right there kind of shocked me. You know, I woke up. The next morning, and I'm hearing all of this news because I didn't catch it before I went to bed. You know, I try to go to bed early. Yeah. But it makes sense, though, when you think about the NFC West. Like, what has happened? I just mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. We remember when the Cardinals went and got DeAndre. You're like, okay, Cardinals trying to do some things. Russell Wilson just got traded away from Seattle. You see what they're trying to build there. 
And then you have the Rams who went all in, and it actually worked, and they won a Super Bowl. Yeah. So now you have the 49ers that are saying, all right, I know we have some things we're trying to figure out. We start off the season with Trey Lance. Now we have Jimmy G. We have some guys being banged up. And this is two sides. One player who's dealt with injuries and knows how important it is to stay healthy. And then a team that over the last couple of years have dealt with a ton of injuries and knows that we need some beast on this team if we want to make a run. I respect it because what it says about the Niners is that we're trying to win right now. And right. Kyle Shanahan still has faith in the squad by going and getting Christian McCaffrey. Okay, so I don't mind the deal for the Niners because it seems like it's kind of a long-term look at it. But you and I have talked enough about Ryan Tannehill, and I think that Jimmy G has some Ryan Tannehill in him. And I say that to say he's good, but I don't know if he's good enough. Here's what I don't understand. John Lynch, GM of the Niners, has used three picks on backs in the last two years and just spent four more picks, and none of the backs have really lasted. And we all know that Christian McCaffrey is very talented, but the one thing is those injuries. Like, it seems like a bit of a risk to me. Yeah, he, he has seemed injury-prone. This season has been a little bit different. I know he's hearing all the whispers about how he can't stay healthy. Um, John Lynch has a type. Um, he, he comes from that old school cloth. Yeah. And when you have a quarterback like we are both, um, you know, alluding to that is good, um, but you wouldn't label him as great until he proves he can win a Super Bowl. Is Jimmy G a guy that can put the team on his back? I'm not sure. I think San Francisco wanted to build a team that was based off a of hard-nosed defense that can get after quarterbacks, make them uncomfortable, but then have an offensive game plan that is explosive. I am excited about Christian McCaffrey. You know why? Because he's not your traditional back. I mean, just look at the numbers. Of course, that 2019 season stands out. But I, I believe, even though we're talking about CMC in 2022, 2023, that 2019 season, that's what they want. What do I mean by that? They want him to catch the ball out of the backfield. Just imagine them having someone who is as explosive, not as fast, I said explosive, mm -hmm. that can be a matchup problem like Debo Samuel. Now you have multiple players on the field that have speed and elusiveness. With Kyle Shanahan, the way that he can craft some offenses, I'm telling you, this is going to be a much more exciting offense. And maybe this does take that pressure off of Jimmy G. Yeah. Like, Jimmy G, you don't have to do too much. All you have to do is get it to our playmakers. People forget that he had back-to-back 100-yard -back reception seasons. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. Crazy. All right, so the Thursday nighter felt like a big game for both, um, but there were less excuses on the card side of things who got it done. And now you mentioned that NFC West, they sit a half game back in the division behind everybody, though, because at three and four, everyone else is at three and three. Um, there's some pressure on this team in Arizona. It feels like Cliff Kingsbury would be the first domino to fall, but it got me to thinking, is Kyler Murray elite? No, and I don't mean any disrespect by that, but I have to be honest. Um, and this isn't coming from a guy that felt like I had some elite years. I had some elite moments, but not years. Um, the reason I say that is because he can be regular season great, but until you prove that you can be postseason phenomenal and make a Super Bowl run, that's when I call you elite. You know who is who is clawing on the door of elite? Josh Allen. Now, some might already give him that title, but I'm, right. I'm a firm believer in the pressure of the playoffs oftentimes brings out those who have the elite gene in them. And now, the postseason has not always been Kyler Murray's fault, but the Arizona Cardinals team, they have disappeared and fell off towards the end of the season. Yeah. And that right there, that passion that we're watching, 
That's what we're seeing. We're seeing a guy that was frustrated that there was a clause in his contract that he had to study a certain amount of time. We're seeing a guy that's hearing the whispers about who's going to fall first. Is it going to be the GM? Is it going to be Cliff Kingsbury? You know, what about Kyler Murray? Is he that guy or is he just a guy that's really athletic? Is he is he a, a, a X's and O's quarterback or is he just out there playing playground football? He's hearing all of it. And as good as he is going to be this season, because he had some moments on Thursday night that were take over. He was like, you know what? Let me just drop back, take off, and run. And when he does, when he's in his bag, let's just keep it real. We're all sitting there smiling because yeah. we giggle, chuckle, when we say, ooh, that looks like a grown man playing with third graders. Uh, you know, this is like the substitute teacher out there schooling up the little kids. But he doesn't do it all the time. So, no, to answer your question a very long-winded way, he's not elite yet. Yet. Yeah, we'll give him time. We'll give him time. All right, so more either-or with Nate Dogg. Which is the bigger return, Dak or Tua? This is a tough one. I would say Tua. Okay. Tua because there's more on the line. Now, don't get me wrong with Cooper Rush. The Cowboys look good. But but Tua and the Dolphins were as good as the Eagles were at one point, right? right. Because they were both undefeated. They were both playing well. They were both overexceeding expectations. And there were whispers. There was a man, are, are Miami Dolphins looking like a Super Bowl team. I mean, is Tua proving everybody wrong? Remember when he said we couldn't get uh, – Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle, the Rock. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that too? Who is this dude? Who is this strong guy with this great arm and, 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 and great anticipation delivering the ball all over the field? That was the team that he left the field. And obviously not on his own doing, but that team was on fire. So I think that the bigger return is if he returns and plays well and they pick up where we left off, We'll forget about the ups and downs and the backup quarterback and Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson and whoever whoever was in backing him up. If they have a great game, a great outing, and Tua looks good, we're going to pick back up the conversation. Okay, all right, let's, let's put let's put the Miami Dolphins in the contender conversation again because that's what they look like when he was healthy on the field. Yeah, three and zero before he gets hurt. Uh, now three and three right. as they take on the Steelers Sunday night. Four and two Cowboys at home to the Lions. Is that a good way to ease Dak back into the lineup? Yeah, it's it's a get right game, and I hate to say it um, because it's up against up against my Lions. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'll tell you what, Dak better get rid of that ball though because we do have some dogs on that defensive line and got some linebackers that come in and smack you. Um, but Dak needs to play well. He needs to play well for multiple reasons. One, he set out, and there's a lot of people that are under the assumption that he wants to get back on the field and he could wait a little bit. But Dak wants to play. He wants to prove that he's the man. He wants to prove he's worth all of the money. Um, but at the same time, he could he could go out there and not look as good as Cooper Rush did when he first took the field a few games ago. Um, for, for the sake of football, for the sake of fandom, for the sake of us all wanting to see the Cowboys be in the headlines, I want Dak to go out there and just light it up. But one thing he's going to have to do is lean on that run game and lean on Tony Pollard, man. He's, yeah. he's one of the best players on the team. Yeah, and, and Zeke looked pretty good against the Eagles. If they get that duel. He did. They should ease the pre I, like They should have learned that Cooper just managing the game and winning right. might ease the pressure on Dak Prescott or should ease the pressure on Dak Prescott. But we'll see. It's Dallas, and you never know with Dallas. All right. Yeah. Either or, <laughs> who's more real, Jets or Giants? That's a tough one. Ooh, that's a tough I'm coming one. with you the goods back today, to Nate. I am coming with the goods today. 
it's, it's, you you come with the goods, and they got both had those back to back victories over Aaron Rodgers. That that Jets win over the Packers was convincing, yes. in convincing fashion. And you know what it is? Like the the Giants, I I, I think that they were believing a few games ago. I feel like the Jets are really starting to figure out how good they are right now. Um, and, and what makes them even scarier, I think there might be more upside for Zach Wilson, and he hasn't played his best football yet. So I would have to say the Jets. And, and just think about that question for a second. Look how far we've come. Yeah, they were supposed to be bottom feeders, and we got a 5-1 and one team and a 4-2 and two team, and you're saying maybe the 4-2 and two team has a higher upside. And I agree with you. Yep. All right. You and I have both been a fan of uh, the Patriot way and what it's come to represent. Yep. Even if I don't particularly like Bill Belichick, you cannot dispute the business that he has done, the track record that he has in New England. Is the future in New England Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi? Zappi has had a little moment, and he, he's had some plays out there. And I don't know what it is. It's just it's a, it's an odd name that we haven't said often. So when you say Bailey Zappi, we get kind of excited. Um, I am a firm believer in you stick with what's working. You don't switch it up just because a guy is coming back on the field. I said on this show, if Cooper Rush would have kept winning, leave Dak on the sideline until he heals up completely. With that said, if this offense has a better flow with Zappi, I think Bill Belichick is going to go with the quarterback that moves this offense better. And and let's be very clear. And I was talking to Phil Simms um, and, and Boomer Sison, but Phil Simms was the guy who told me this. He said, when Bill Belichick is putting a player back on the field, he has to look good during the week. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, if I'm cleared on a Monday and I'm yeah. supposed to play on Friday, everybody knows on Monday I'm playing. He's like, no, 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 that's not how they do it. I mean, you got to prove to him during the week that, one, you look good and whatever injury you had that was ailing you, isn't anymore but also you're gonna to have to look good in your position and at this position it's quarterback so maybe just pulling back the curtain a little bit and allowing people to understand how they do things in new england if zappy has a better week and mac jones doesn't look like himself and he's throwing picks and not making the right reads bill belichick isn't going to start him that's not how he does things so um the future is mac jones because that's who they love and i from the word in New England, um, he's, he's everything they want in a Patriots quarterback. But he, he's also going to have to keep his position. We all know what happened with Tom Brady and Bledsoe. <laughs> yeah. That position can be lost in a moment's time. Yeah, Bill can be a killer when he needs to be or has to be. Uh, check out Nate, CBS Mornings, NFL on CBS, Nickelodeon Slime Time, every Friday right here, Fridays with Nate, and, of course, Dance Moms. I may have made the last uh, one up. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, I'll take it, though. I'm <laughs> producing that show soon. Uh, thanks for this, Nate. Always appreciate you. All right, fellas. Have a good one. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the wonderfully talented Nate Burleson. Time for a break. We've got more NFL on the other side. As Kevin and I give, us, give you our picks against the spread. Plus, we're giving away something. Stick around. Jay's manager, John Schneider, has lost the interim label and added the guest label. He will join me at the top of the hour. And earlier today, at Tim and Friends on Twitter, Kevin Mickey, we were asking folks what they thought. The question was, Jay's fans, and there are a lot of them that are friends of the show, mm -hmm. are you good with this? Asking about John Schneider 
getting a three-year deal. Uh, plenty of responses. Went through some of them earlier. How about some more? Uh, Michael says that the guy paid his dues within the organization. Only fair to be rewarded. Yeah. Sure, I would have left Gosman in to finish the inning, but the decision was easier to make from my couch. When you saw the Gosman tweet earlier today mm -hmm. saying good to have Schneider back, did that make you rethink your position on the Gosman lift? To be honest, it, feel, it felt to me like the team had his back most of the time. Right. I, I, there was nothing that said to me the team was super pissed off. No, they him. wanted him in there. That's yep. why he got the job. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere, we have Justin saying he did a respectable job in season. Let's hope that if he, uh, it wasn't a typical midseason coach bump, because if we were to come out flat in the first month, and he or Atkins won't be here. Oh. So that's what he's saying. So I think there, you know Atkins what? is the next one. Atkins is under the next microscope. Mike. And whether or not yeah. this team moves forward um, under Schneider, it'll be Atkins before it'll be Schneider. I'll tell you that much. Plenty of responses coming in, and uh, we encourage you to get yours in as well, as we're going to read some more later on in the show. Uh, at Tim and Friends, uh, John Schneider coming up just after the hour. All right, we promised some picks against the spread, and we will deliver some picks against the spread. Yes. Our weekly matchup with the SN Bets crew features uh, myself and usually Jesse Rubinoff, but Kevin Mickey is going to jump in for our boy Ruby as he continues to get well at home. I'll start Bears plus eight at New England. I just hope the Bears keep close, Kevin. I'll be honest with you. We will see if they do. And I have the Ravens. No, I, I love your picks. And I have Ravens <laughs> minus six and a half. The Ravens five and one against the spread in their last six games following and against the spread loss. And they lost to the Giants last week. Let's remember, I also like this stat. The Browns have allowed 11 rushing TDs this season. Most in the league, the Ravens averaging six yards per carry when they rush. And I'm not sure yeah. if you know this, but they have quite the quarterback who likes to run yeah, in Lamar Jackson. So do the Browns. That one scares me a wee bit, but we will try and up the total from five and seven by replacing Jesse's pick with Kevin's pick this week. Uh, the SM Beds crew Come on is now. going go. a dog on the road in the Detroit Lions plus six and a half at Dallas and the Broncos minus a half points. So this is basically a pick em yeah. with them and the Jets in the Mile High City. Again, on the season, uh, the SM Bets crew is up a game on us. We'll try and make that up. Six and six, five and seven. So you can't exactly bet with us yet or fade us at this juncture in time. The Broncos one's interesting because they're fading the public on that one. Just 38% of public money is on the Broncos. Oh, yeah. So SN Bets fading the public on that. Well, and they are with, sharps. They're going... <laughs> They're going with Dangerous, Mr. What was he calling himself? Unlimited. Mr. Unlimited. Did you All see right. that? Let's ride on. Okay, let's ride. <laughs> let's ride. All right, we're giving away uh, a Team Anderson jacket today, Kevin Mickey. This That's is right. actually it's a jersey. It's jersey, not even yeah. a jacket. Yeah. What's going on here? And do we have a winner? So we asked, do you want to win a team Carrie Anderson jersey signed by every member of the team? There is the beautiful jersey. Yeah, All you had to do is reply to this tweet with a hashtag TF curl and we have a winner. It is DCast. Hashtag TF Curl would love to surprise my mom with this. Well, congratulations, DCast. You can indeed surprise your mom with this. Congratulations. You've won yourself a Team Anderson signed jersey. So all we need you to do is make sure that you're following us so that we can DM you, get your information, and send it out to you. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, hashtag TF Curl was trending top 10 in Canada. Indeed it was. Those people, people curling fans, yeah, they, man, yeah. they follow that game. They come, It is unbelievable how much support 
the game of curling has from its fans yeah. to its players. One of our producers on the show today said that his mom wanted to win the jersey, and she was saying, am I allowed to tweet in? Would that be okay? Right. Uh, DCAS is not the producer's mom, by the way. But uh, <laughs> she, the, the curling fans, they spread coast to coast to coast. Uh, just a very excitable bunch. All right, so... Not only did you get your hashtag TFCurl in, make sure you reach out to us at Tim and Friends. We will be talking to John Schneider coming up just after the hour about his brand new three-year extension with the Toronto Blue Jays, which includes a club option for the fourth. So we'll do a quick conversation with John Schneider, then we'll get to more of your tweets at Tim and Friends as we get you set for a busy night across the sports that family of channels once again. For those of you watching on Sportsnet East. Oh yeah? Draw 15 of the Grand Slam of Curling. Tour Challenge from Grand Prairie, Alberta is coming up next. For everybody else, Tim and Friends continues after the break as Blue Jays manager John Schneider will join us to discuss his brand spanking new three-year extension right here. I'm Tim and Friends. Please stick with us. Pretty please. Got a lot of fun. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Tim McAuliffe along with Kevin Mickey. What were you doing there? There was like hands and they were moving. I can only see it in the periphery. Was it dancing? What is that? What are you doing? What happened? Celebrating the return okay? of the Do show. you need the Heimlich? No, I'm good. There you go. Okay, good. Yeah. Kevin Mickey in for Jesse Rubinoff. I thought he was the worst dancer that sits in that chair, but apparently I was wrong. Uh, Kevin Mickey giving him a run for just, money. It was just excitement. <laughs> Yay, the sheepdogs. <laughs> all right. You're going to end up in the end of the week, son, if you don't watch out, all right? Uh, we're with you for another 30 minutes ahead of Hockey Central on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Coming up. Toronto Blue Jays manager John Schneider will join us after he signed a three-year extension with the club today. Club option for a fourth, but first, we go to the Toronto Raptors. And after a season-opening win over the Cavs, boys are in Brooklyn tonight to take on the Nets. You can see it on Sportsnet 1, starting with Raptors Central, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Pascal Siakam led the Raptors with 23 points, 11 rebounds in Wednesday's win over Cleveland. All five starters had 15 or more. Meanwhile, the Nets were absolutely mollywhopped in their opener against the Pelicans. Ben Simmons struggled in his first regular season game with Brooklyn. Struggled's a word. Yeah, yeah he had six fouls and four points. <clears throat> the Nets are two-and-a-half-point betting favorites heading into this one. Hmm. To baseball in Game 3 of the National League Championship Series goes tonight. In Philadelphia, the Padres and Phillies tied at one game apiece. We've got the game for you. This one, 7 Eastern on Sportsnet Ontario, West and Pacific. Joe Musgrove getting the call for San Diego. Ranger Suarez, the nod for Philadelphia. Meanwhile, the Blue Jays have officially made John Schneider their manager, signing him to a three-year contract extension. Schneider took over the managerial duties in July, leading the Jays to the first wild card spot in the American League East, or in the American League, excuse me, before being swept in the first round 
by the Mariners. Here's GM Ross Atkins on the move. Over the course of time, not just over the course of the last couple of months, John has, has truly earned uh, the respect and the trust of all of us here. Um, I think most importantly of you know, the front office, uh, well, most importantly, the staff and players, and he certainly earned it of the, of the front office as well. My next guest just officially dropped the interim label from his title, fresh off of signing a three-year contract with a club option for a fourth, now just the flat-out manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, John Schneider joins us now. Hey, Coach, how, did, how does that sound? No more interim, just manager. <laughs> yeah, a little bit better than interim, I think. Um, thankful to be here in this opportunity and, um, you know, couldn't be, uh, you know, couldn't be with a better group of guys coaches front office this is where I've been my whole life and uh, just thrilled to be uh, thrilled to be here in this spot uh, before we get into the Jays the team the spot uh, I just got to talk dad to dad because I'm a bit of a proud dad and I think I can see it in you too always mentioning the wife and the two boys and I know you come from a baseball family uh, what was that convo like when you dropped the interim label and told the boys uh, <laughs> we're going to be here for a little bit here Thank you for realizing that. Um, yeah, the, you know, Jess and, and my boys Gunner and Grayson are obviously a huge part of my life. Uh, you guys see them around here, but it was uh, it was special when when I told them. Um, you know, we love this city, and this is an organization that I've been a part of for a long time. Jess was actually a part of it, um, working back in player development. That's how we met uh, about ten years ago, and um, we started dating and. Um, I told her I was, you know, a minor league coach, this and that, and, uh, you know, I'm doing this and putting in the sacrifices and the work. You know, I believe I can be one of 30 um, at the big league level, and she stuck with me. Um, and today I'm one of 30, which is pretty cool. So to have them uh, here and share in that moment was something I'll never forget. That's awesome. Okay, so the Jays draft yeah. you back in 2002. Could you ever imagine in 2002 that this is how it would end up? No, I thought I was going to make a hundred million, you know, hundred million dollars <laughs> yeah. plan, you yeah. know, like everyone who gets drafted. But it's uh, you know, over the course of the years, you kind of figure out what you're good at and your strengths and your weaknesses. And um, thought coaching was a great avenue for me, and tried to evolve as I went, and you know, climbed up the ladder and met some great people who I learned a ton from along the way, both players, teammates, coaches, um, and kind of just kept kept moving. Um, very, very fortunate to be around the people that I've been around. And, um, you know, here I am. It's, uh, I'm still trying to put it into words how cool it is where it's been that many years and you go from rookie ball player, rookie ball manager to big league coach, big league manager. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's rare too. Very rare. I heard you say, yeah. and I try and listen every once in a while, that uh, you couldn't have asked for a better situation. Um, why do you see it like that? Well, I think you look at the team we have, for one, the young group of, you know, talent that we have, the guys that we've brought in, um, you know, George Gosman, even, you know, Jimmy Garcia in the bullpen. You look at Romano and what he's turned into, um, you know, guys that I'm familiar with, you know, Bo Vlad, Kevin, Jano, Guriel. It's kind of guys that I grew up with in yeah. the minors. And then you, you look at what they've been doing here, Matt Chapman. I mean, the list kind of goes on. So. It's a very, um, it's a very exciting team to be a part of, and then I think on top of that, you put the relationships with front office, uh, with coaches that are here, 
I mean, it makes the comfort level just that much higher. So knowing everyone that's basically around you every day that you're working with, I think just really brings the best out of you. Um, not only me, but, you know, hopefully players, coaches and, and staff around me as well. So it's uh, we know expectations are high and we know that we're a really good team. So. I think that's kind of that's kind of what you want to do when you're getting into this. All right. So you mentioned the team. You mentioned the group. Uh, how do you think this group takes that next step? You know, I think learning from this year, um, the ups and the downs. I think watching them come together as a team in September was really special, kind of behind the scenes. And the next step is just being, you know, attentive to details. The talent is there. Um, things we're going to focus on. It's going to be base running. It's going to be defense. It's going to be every little thing that can help you win every single night. Um, there's nights where we just, you know, I think on on the field have been better than teams, and it's going to be what are we going to do in games that, you know, that are tough, games that are back and forth. Yeah. Um, I think experiences that we've been through, like I said, good and bad, we can fall back on those now a little bit as a group and hopefully just kind of keep the ball rolling. What, what did you learn most from the 76 or so games when you're in command, when you're the manager, and, and how will that – shape your first full year with the team because you'll be able to go to spring training as the manager and kind of implement the Schneider way. I mean, I kind of learned that it's uh, in the short term, it was kind of a sprint, right? You know, you have things that you think are important and you try to instill them a little bit deliberately, but not overpowering, you know, the, the right. day with it. Um, I learned that in a hurry. I learned how hard it is uh, to play this game in a hurry. I've been doing that for the last couple of years at this level. And I think going into next year, it's just kind of making sure that the feeling that was in this clubhouse down the stretch and in September and into the postseason, although it didn't end the way we wanted to, um, carries over into spring training. Um, well, it starts in the offseason, carries over into spring training, mm -hmm. and you hit the ground running in, in April, and you don't let it, you don't let up on it. Um, I think that's what makes good teams great and great teams elite. So just really focusing on the things that we've been through and being fortunate enough to have a group of guys that have been through been through a lot of that together already. Do you know if the coaching staff changes it all yet? I uh, don't know yet, but expect okay. to not have many changes, um, but haven't really finalized anything yet. Understood. All right, so it, it ended quicker than most of you wanted, uh, and now that you've had some time to let it marinate, is there anything that you would have done differently with the benefit of hindsight? Yeah, change the final score. You know, I think that would have been the, the only thing. I mean, if you could. it's tough, yeah. man. It was a, it was a <laughs> you know, you run into a really good pitcher in game one, and you run into basically everything um, not kind of going your way in game two. So definitely learn from it. It was, uh, you know, a, a few days and, you know, maybe even a week or so where you reflect on it and, you know, evaluate what you did, evaluate what your team did. Um, you got to look yourself in the mirror sometimes and, it's, uh, you know, the process that we do every day and every game and every series was consistent. Um, and breaks really didn't go our way. You know, we had a four-run lead in the eighth. Yeah. We had a, uh, a seven-run lead in the sixth. And it was, uh, we got beat, you know. So that sucks. And we're going to live with that for the entire offseason. But, um, you know, you learn from it. You say, what could I have done differently, if anything? And you make the proper adjustments. Can I ask you a quick question about that? game two and the process that goes into uh, the one thing after the game that I was asked to comment on uh, that fans asked me to comment on uh, was mm -hmm. taking out Kevin Gossman with that lead that you spoke of what can I sure. just ask you what the thought process is going into taking Kevin Gossman out if you remember it 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to remember for a while. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you look at what he was – you watch his stuff. You watch what he's doing. You watch the 25-minute layoff he had the half inning before right. with where he was at his pitch count. You watch the first three hitters of that inning do what they did. And then you watch him work really, really hard to get two big outs with the bases loaded. Um, we were at the point with our bullpen where we liked certain matchups. And, again, it's a, it's a process-driven decision that we're, that we're talking through. It's that and a lot of different other options that may or may not come up. And at the end of the day, the result wasn't great. The result wasn't great, but at the same time, we got out of the inning with the lead. So it wasn't any singular you know, thing. Right. I think we had opportunities to put the game away. We had opportunities to add on and we didn't. Um, and then they, they got hits and they made plays and we didn't. So that's kind of what went into it. You know what I mean? Um, it's tough when a pitcher, you know, we have guidelines we go by. It's tough when a pitcher sits around for a while and has to go out and exert a lot of energy and high leverage. So like I said, it's, uh, I get where people are coming from. You know, everyone's yeah. competitive and we love that the fan base wants to win and no one wants to win more than I do and more than we do. So it's a, it's a tough outcome for sure, but something that we're going to look back on is going to make us better. Yeah, it's also baseball. Like I was just talking about Tito, Terry Francona, <laughs> and what he went through with Cleveland and how you know the headlines mm-hmm. after that game were, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, and he's been there, done that, bought the shirt, brought the shirt home, wore the <laughs> shirt, and celebrated with the shirt on as well. So I, I noticed, though, a few of yeah. your key dudes... Comes to the territory a little bit. Yeah, it's baseball. It's baseball. And I noticed, right. I, I noticed a few of your key dudes had your back. Matt Chapman after the game, uh, and I saw that Gossman tweeted today, uh, happy to have Schneid's back. What does that mean to you that your guys had your back in that moment? It's awesome. You know, I think that's what you want to fall back on. You and you know, when you're doing this day in and day out, you want to have the support of your of your team and of your staff and everyone that's around you. And I think when you're deliberately doing things and you're showing that you care, you know, it doesn't go unnoticed. Um, I love the reaction that I had from the guys that I talked to last night on the phone. Um, I didn't know about Kevin doing that today. That's great. Um, you know, these guys are supportive of one another and you know, I'd like to think that we have, uh, you know, we've started a pretty, a pretty cool relationship over the past months with, you know, them as being leaders of the team and me being the manager. So it's, um, it says a lot and, um, you know, it's kind of the culture we're trying to have here with everyone. I know it's a big day. It's also October. So what are the next steps before, uh, before we see uh, uh, bright and early and everyone says, hey, spring training's here. Uh, we're good to go. I know, right? Uh, take in this weekend. Me and the fam will be up here this weekend, kind of hanging and enjoying the city a little bit. Nice. Uh, heading back to Florida, touching base with some guys that are down there, both players and staff, and getting over to our PDC and see what's, see what's shaking there and, and just diving into the off offseason. Um, it's a couple months from now. The calendar's going to flip, and we're going to be saying, okay, when do we report? And, uh, you know, can't wait for that as well. But for now, enjoying this day, um, taking it in with my family and trying to slow it down a little bit and, um, you know, getting back to work starting next week. Hey, listen, uh, one of 30 is very cool. Very, very cool. But it also one of com- 30 is very cool. Yeah, it also yeah. comes after a grind. And uh, I appreciate the <laughs> grind that you have put in. And congratulations on the new deal. Uh, look forward to speaking to you down the road, man. Likewise. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. There is John Schneider, the uh, no longer interim manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. I figured uh, the 46-28 and 28 finish was enough to earn him. Yeah. The interim being dropped, uh, but it seemed. And I don't listen. Twitter does not represent the entire fan base. We think it does sometimes, but we live in a bigger bubble than that. I uh, I, uh, I don't like you using the word we. 
others do sometimes. <laughs> I would never do that to you. Uh, no, but at, at Tim and Friends, we, we ask folks yep. for their opinion because we want them to be a part of the show because we want to hear their opinion. And uh, we've been, it, I mean, yeah, it I was mean, kind of polarizing. It's so the decision is extremely polarizing, but I think it as it would be with a major decision like this for a team that is on the precipice of contending for a championship. You saw them approach the precipice, if that makes sense, this season. So, again, precipice. we asked, are you, you like that word? Yeah. yeah it's not bad. You worked it in twice. We, thank you. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> my mom taught me vocabulary. Thanks, nice. mom. We, uh, we said, Jace fans, are you good with this, with Schneider getting the three-year deal? We've been going through answers uh, throughout the show, and we continue to get answers. Uh, we're getting answers like this I thought was interesting. Uh, from Rob, in my opinion, managers in MLB had the least effect on in-game tactics for winning than any other major sports. Mm. And Rob's rankings go football, then basketball, then hockey, then baseball. To which I would reply, I think that baseball managerial duties rely heavily on the outcome of the game. And which pitcher you're going with and when you're going with I would say who to send up to bat. I would say it's uh, it's second or third. I would go football is one, football, obviously. I agree, so I agree with football being one. Yeah, and yeah. then baseball or basketball. I'd probably throw, hockey ba- last. I'd throw baseball two, then basketball, and then hockey last. Yes. Anyways, interesting conversation. Just yeah. as a side note. I like it. Uh, plenty of other stuff. Uh, at Happy Trails said, I had hoped the Blue Jays would have legitimately searched for a tougher veteran manager with postseason experience. Yeah, I do was... like Schneider, but he might just be too close to the players. And then before you respond, I love the response from Doughboy underneath. Says, Gibby, Gibby gave him the thumbs up. Good enough for me. And from John Gibbons, congrats, Schneid. Great job. Run with it. So we got Gibby chiming in on the Schneider managerial hire there. So John Gibbons, give it a serial. That was the one approval. thing that I saw a lot from fans that I would listen to. I hope they went after the been there, done that manager. Yep. Uh, but Tito just re-upped in Cleveland, and that was the one that was probably tied to Toronto, just given the relationship that they yeah, had. Yeah, there, there, there was some noise floating that maybe the Jays are waiting until the Guardians were eliminated to sniff around Francona, but... Mm-hmm. Not sure if that was ever the case. Either way, John Schneider, brand new deal. And same with Tito. Same with Tito. He's going to be back. In Cleveland, he's going yeah. back with the Guardians. All right, time for our final break. When we return, we'll check in with Matt Devlin and Alvin Williams as we get you spoiled. Look out, look out. Precious, look out. Get you set for the Raptors. And that, that gets me every time when I'm at the Raptors. Yep. Every time. Every time. Game time's next. Until it breaks. As always, your game day starts right here on Tim and Friends, and game day is actually already underway. As you can catch, drop 15 of the Grand Slam of Curling's Tour Challenge on Sportsnet East. Now, the Toronto Raptors are in Brooklyn to face Kevin Durant and the Nets. Catch that one starting at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, over on Sportsnet 1. And at the same time on Sportsnet Ontario West and Pacific, MLB Central will get you set for Game 3 of the NLCS between the Padres and the Phillies. Tim McAuliffe, Kevin Mickey, still with you on this Friday edition of Tim and Friends. So let's take a closer look at some of tonight's action as game time starts now. And we begin with those Toronto Raptors. Matt Devlin, Alvin Williams standing by at Barclays Center in Brooklyn to get us set for the Raptors and the Nets. Gentlemen, take it away. 
All right, Alvin, you think about the Toronto Raptors entering game one of the season in the fourth quarter, down eight, but it was their defense late. That was absolutely sensational. They allowed the Cavs just one field goal. That happened to be by Donovan Mitchell over the course of the final five minutes and 37 seconds. It was impressive. No, for sure, and how do you play defense? You play it together. Not one person is not one person's responsibility. It's everyone's responsibility to help the helper. And you see right here, you see pressure to chew it, but he goes into a sea of red shirts, and that gets you out on the break in other ways in offense. But more importantly, it's an ultimate one-on-one, -on -one, but you have a team behind you. You have a wall behind you. And as soon as your team identifies themselves as that team that's going to gain defense and help on defense and make multiple efforts, you're going to always be in a great position to win a basketball game. Yeah, no question about it. Impressive W. And, of course, now the Toronto Raptors head out on the road. They take on Brooklyn tonight, then Miami tomorrow. Miami on a Monday. But tonight, of course, it's Kevin Durant. Now, you know about the summer. <laughs> I mean, KD wasn't happy. He wanted out, but he's here for now, for now. And then on opening night, they get blown out. But he is still Kevin Durant, one of the best in the NBA and so hard to guard. And what he's impossible to guard. This man, all he wants to do, and we talked about it, is play basketball. He wants to hoop. He can take you individually, one-on-one. -on -one. You cannot contest. You can't do anything defensively to stop Kevin Durant. He was born to score. He has unbelievable ability to put the ball on the floor, get a shot at the basket over top of you from three-point range, and just create. He's doing a better job to me to finding his teammates really going out of his way to find his teammates but now what do you do you have to also gain defense you have to be physical with Kevin Durant other than that you don't have a chance to play against them Raptors have continuity and certainly Brooklyn's looking for that continuity by the way it's great to be one of the friends on Tim and Friends isn't it so great it I is feel great. I feel good to be a friend <laughs> yeah for <laughs> no, it is kind of feeling kind of nice and warm being one of Tim's I'm, I'm, your, I'm your friend, too. Yeah, well, I'm your friends. brother. Yeah, yeah. Let's go back to Tim. <laughs> friends, how oh, many man. of us have them? I love the combination of Matt Devlin and Alvin Williams, both friends of the show without a doubt. And Aaron Rose wrote an interesting column. He talked to Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen about the Raptors' defense after game one. And we, we kind of forget sometimes just how good the Raptors' defense was. But those are two guys that have been around. One, a kind of a big bruiser in the middle, saying how tough it is to play against the Raptors. And... I mean, Spider's a star. One of the, yeah, He's a superstar in the league. Absolutely. Had himself a game, and still, they throw so many different looks at you. You don't know what's coming, and they're going to need that tonight against Kevin Durant, who, even though yeah, they got their yeah. rear ends handed to them in game one, KD had 32. Yeah, he's still a 30-point game, and you heard Matt and Alvin mention that he's still Kevin Durant, mm -hmm. and all eyes will be on Kevin Durant tonight against the Raptors. And, uh... Timmy, all eyes on Durant and his business ventures a lot of as business well. Ventures. He does. He's added his name to the growing list of celebrities investing in pickleball yes. teams. A lot of pickleball action. Uh, could you beat Kevin Durant in a pickleball game? Yeah, he, he's too tall. He can't play this. You can see <laughs> it right here. There's no skill in those hands. I mean, obviously, pull up jumpers, he's good. Well, I guess he could get to a few. I don't understand. Maybe it's just me, but I'm not following the entire pickleball craze yet. Well, it, it 
the game, the ball, and the rackets take away the ability for you to smash the ball, so you've got to think your way through the game, thus evening up most athletes on the court. It becomes just hand-eye and thought process, and that's why it's catching on. So like a 60-year-old and a 30-year-old could play, and in a game of tennis, the athlete wins. In a game of pickleball, the thinker wins. The thinker wins. So you you would outthink Kevin Durant in a matchup like this? I think I could beat Kevin Durant. Yeah, I've never played before, but I probably need a couple of rounds first. Interesting. Uh, do you think that you could hit a home run off a Major League Baseball pitcher? No, not a chance. That was my transition to this. Game three of the NLCS goes down tonight in Philadelphia with the series tied up at once. Here's a look at some pregame scenes. Big poppy David Ortiz. He's in a dance-off with the Philly Fanatic. Look at the Reggie White Minister of Defense jersey, the that Big is, Poppy. That is wearing. pretty tight. I Big like Poppy, uh, he's also sucking up to the fans with that jersey, big time. Uh, Poppy? Who are we taking a dance off between Poppy and the Philly Fanatic? That's the real question. Uh, I think I think we take the Fanatic. One of the best mascots in all of sports. Totally. Yeah. Uh, here's a look at some of the odds. Uh, the Padres are favored this evening. Tim, will the rabid Philly fans help the Phillies to the upset? You know, it's funny. I, I never used to think that uh, home field advantage in baseball, especially in the playoffs, would matter. If you got a good pitcher going, that's enough. Joe Musgrove is going for the Padres tonight. And then I talked to a bunch of baseball players and I talked to the Toronto Blue Jays and I talked to John Schneider who we just talked to and they put an extreme value on the postseason and then I remember back to the Jays the bat flip game and how rattled the Texas Rangers were by what was a raucous crowd at the Sky Dome. I, I, I may have underestimated just how much home field advantage plays a factor in Major League Baseball that said I like Joe Musgrove today. Musgrove has been pretty good, and the Philly fans, it should be interesting to see what kind of reception they give him. I'm guessing not well. Uh, hey, Philly La- fans don't give anybody. No, Santa Claus reception. was booed infamously. Last night, it was the Astros taking a 2-0 series lead in the ALCS with a 3-2 win, Tim. Alex Bregman hit a three-run ding-dong for Houston. Aaron Judge, he did not hit a ding-dong, just missing a two-run shot in the eighth inning. The only stadium that that ball would have been a homer in, if you want to guess, you don't have to, though. I, I know it. It's Yankee Stadium, but and I thank you for setting me up. That's the answer. Yeah. Yankee Stadium. <laughs> that didn't stop the team from complaining about the roof being open yeah. as the reason that they lost. Tim, cut or uncut, complaining about open the open roof or open roofs. I saw this on a tweet before I actually heard the clip. Uh-huh. It's ridiculous. It does seem a little ridiculous, right? It's Aaron Boone just trying to alleviate the pressure of a team that has struck out in 30 of their 70 plate appearances in this series. Nearly nearly 50%. That's 42.9%. That's insane. Kevin Mickey. They've struck out in 43% of their plate appearances and have just nine hits through two games. So I think you're just trying to alleviate the pressure on their team because the roof thing is ridiculous. All right, that does it for us. Hockey Central is coming up next. We've got a bunch of Centrals, Raptors, baseball. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all the games, and we'll see you again on Monday. Thanks, Kevin.